Today we are starting spiritual battle training. And I know a lot of us don't like to fight, but we are in a fight. The moment that we enlist in Christ's army, we are in a battle. And there is this eternal struggle between good and evil, God and Satan, his created being, who is not as powerful, is not all-knowing, who is not equal to God. And yet that is exactly what he wants us to think. The battle is the Lord's. That's what's written in 1 Samuel chapter 17 in verse 47. And God equips us with the armor that we need. He protects us. He gives us victory, even in the little battles in our lives. Today, we're going to look at the sixth chapter of Ephesians. Charlie read it earlier. And we're going to find descriptions of several aspects of spiritual warfare and battle armor. This is written in the New Testament of the Scriptures. This is for each and every one of us to comprehend. This passage reveals unlimited power that's available to faithful believers, and that is to keep us in his armor. If we remain in his armor, we have unlimited ability to have victory in the battle. And this passage also gives titles that describe different levels of enemy troops. It depicts the whole armor of God in terms of its function. And it relates our role in the battle. I want each of you to understand that your Heavenly Father loves you. And that is for all of us to get. Okay, it is for us. God loves you. And no matter what, you are never alone, ever, even in those battles. Sometimes we're tempted to believe that we're alone. In fact, the enemy wants us to believe that we're alone. The enemy wants us not to look at God, but to look at Him. He wants to have us take our eyes off of our Creator and place them on the created being. And that is an error, if in fact we do. I have done that. I have erred in that way. When the battles are raging on and on and on, I start to wonder, okay, what's going on here? Am I doing something wrong? I really do. My wife will tell you. I ask. I ask that question. But we have to understand that God loves us, and He is with us to strengthen us. He's with us to strengthen us. In fact, it's written in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Fear not. We focused on that in at least one message recently. Fear not. Be not afraid, for I am with you. This is our Creator speaking to His people. And this transcends the time that it was written in. It goes to all believers. God is with us. Be not dismayed. He is our God. He will strengthen us. He will uphold us with his righteous right hand. We simply need to yield to him. We yield to him and we trust him to be with us. And that's where keeping our eyes on him is important. And that's where the armor of God comes in to keep us victorious in the battles. Nothing will ever prevail against 
his power, and his authority. It will not. The book is written. The end is already there, and I believe that we are nearer to the end than any of us realize. I want you to open your Bible to the sixth chapter of Ephesians, and we'll begin at verse 10. If you want to open those Bibles in your seat there, you'll find that on page 1801. Ephesians chapter 6, and beginning at verse 10, page 1801, this is Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. It's Paul's letter to believers. And as I said before about the other passage, it goes past the time that it was written. It comes right into this time. It speaks to us. It's written, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breast plate of righteousness and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace above all taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. And then Paul goes on to say, pray for me too, that utterance may be given to me, and I pray that same prayer. I ask that you would pray for me, that God would give me utterance to bring his message from his word. Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for your word, and we ask, Lord, that you would, in fact, take a hold of your servant here today that you would use me to bring forth the truth of your word that would bear upon each soul that's present within the sound of my voice now and later. I pray this all in Christ's name. And all of God's people said, Amen. This passage of Scripture gives every believer a powerful hope. It's an encouraging message. Because the battle is the Lord's, and he gives you the strength and the power to overcome the enemy forces. Yes, he also shows us that they are many. It's like an army. There are some that are higher, and there are some that are lower. And you're fighting against these powers that are not human, even when they overtake and empower human beings to act on their behalf. We're not fighting the people. We are fighting those principalities and those powers. But without Almighty God and His army, we, armor, we are fragile. And not only that, we'll, we'll be defeated. 
But with Christ, within Christ, covered by Christ, covered with the whole armor of God, we are protected and able to stand against the enemy of our soul. Amen? Amen. God gives the whole armor for the benefit of every believer. It's not just for some. This half doesn't get, and this half gets the armor. You have it. It's at your disposal continuously. God gives the whole armor for the benefit of every believer. It's worn each day of our lives. It's permanent, and it represents a way of life for believers who trust God and surrender fully to his will. That's the key. See, when somebody gets into a suit of armor, they have to surrender. They have to yield to that armor. They have to go into the armor. And we say we put on the armor, but the individual must go into what it is that's being provided. So that's your act. You participate in the process. You don't just say, well, I've got the armor of God. Well, sure you do, if in fact you avail yourself of it. It's written in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 14. Narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. That's that daily surrender. That's that yielding to God. That's giving your life to Him. It's your reasonable sacrifice. It is your service to God. The armor of God enables us to withstand the spiritual forces of evil. The armor brings us victorious spiritual warfare. That's what I entitled this message. The series is the whole armor of God or the armor of God, and this particular message is victorious spiritual warfare. Well, what's the point in battling if we're not going to be victorious? Amen? Who wants to lose? Why fight? I mean, if two people go into a ring and they box it out, one of those contenders is going to come out victorious, true or false? Both of them expect to. Well, maybe not always. Some of those fights are thrown, (laughs) especially when the money's riding on them. But that's a whole other story, and I'm not going to go into that. The armor of God enables us to withstand the spiritual forces of evil. Finally, my brethren, it's written in Ephesians 6.10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Whose might is it? His might. And we're to be what? Strong in the Lord. Strong in the Lord. See, if we step outside of what he's providing, we are not strong in the Lord. This is the foundation of our ability to be victorious in spiritual warfare. Our strength is in the Lord. Our strength is in the power of his might. And the source of our power is the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. We have no need to fear when we truly understand this reality. Our source of power is the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. Now, as we move on in that passage of Scripture, the next thing we find is an instruction to stand against the wiles of the devil. Wiles is an old word. It's not something that we might have a clear definition of in our mind. 
Verses 11, 13, and 14 teach us and encourage us to stand and withstand, to resist and oppose evil. Resist the devil and he will flee. Now, this also has the idea of upholding. When you talk about standing, it talks about upholding or sustaining the authority or force of anything. We make firm and establish God's authority on earth. It's Christ's kingdom given to him by the Father, and we'll see that as we go forward. It's a vital part of our role as faithful followers of Christ. We are to stand. We are not to buckle. We are not to hide. We are not to run. We are to stand. As if we are on the front line, we are to stand, and we do that by faith. We stand firm, and not only that, we advance his kingdom on earth as we uphold the authority of Almighty God. And there are lots of passages of Scripture. I'm not going to look at them all, but I want you to understand this is something that God wants all of us to do. He wants us to advance the kingdom of Christ, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 19, it is written, They will fight against you, but they will not prevail. For I am with you, says the Lord, to deliver you. Who delivers us? The Lord does. Almighty God. Exactly. We pray to him, deliver us from evil. We pray that, and sometimes we pray it by rote. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. On and on and on and on. Deliver us from evil. And we don't think about the words that we're saying. We are actually asking God to do what he promises he will do. That's the key. When we really get that, we lock it down. We know he will, in fact, deliver us from evil. Now, all of the examples of the martyrs that have come before us show us, and those who are being martyred for their faith today show us that sometimes God's deliverance from evil is to take us into his presence. Christ himself was delivered, but not without crucifixion. And sometimes we don't like to think of that, that sometimes God may allow us to have our life that we have on this earth sacrificed for his glory because others who observe that, like Paul when he observed Stephen being killed, stoned to death for his faith, Paul saw that and undoubtedly had an effect upon him. And eventually, when Christ knocked him down on the road to Emmaus, he said, why are you coming after me? My paraphrase, excuse me. We are never, when you think about it, in God's Word, we are never instructed to enforce our own authority or our kingdom rules, our regulations. And sadly, many in Christendom have done that all through time. We have a word for that. It's called legalism. You got a big list of do's and don'ts. When you come into that building that they call a church and you're going to sit with them, these are the list of rules of do's and don'ts. I remember one time I was uh, invited to go to a conference. And in the summertime, I'll wear short sleeve shirts. And there was an old fella, God rest his soul, he's with the Lord now. He said, oh, pastor, I don't think you want to go to this conference. I said, why not? 
and he pointed to my sleeves. They were too short. They wanted long sleeve shirts only. Women had to wear their hair up in a bun. They weren't allowed to have their hair down. And some of the women had very long hair. And by God's grace, I got to see it whenever they were in the hospital. <laughs> but you see where the church has gone wrong in giving these rules and, and using the authority of Christ to enforce those rules, and that is against God's Word. We are not to advance our kingdom. It is to be advancing God's kingdom. And we are suited up in the armor of Christ to do exactly that. We stand for God's kingdom. We're ready, prepared to be of steadfast mind, not hesitant, not wavering. And we get to that word wiles. The word wiles comes from methodia. And that's akin to our English word method. The methods of the devil, the schemes of the devil. It speaks of this tricky, false accuser. It contains the idea of traveling over by trickery. We might say, well, he really got over on that. See, the devil is always trying to get over on God's people by tricking us. He tricks us into looking at him instead of looking at the Father. He tricks us into looking at the circumstances instead of looking at God's Word. He tricks us into speaking against the things that God has given us to speak for. God's protection. That idea of methodia also includes the idea of lying in wait. Think about whenever God told Cain sin was crouching at the door. It was waiting. It was lying in wait. That's the picture of it. That's in Genesis 4-7. And we know these days are full of trickery. They're full of deception inside and outside of Christendom. But believers are called to withstand it. When we see error that's clearly pointed out in Scripture, we are to stand against it by God's Word. The next thing that we find in the passage that we started with is the list of the ranks of the enemy. These different ranks of enemies are spiritual. They're not flesh and blood. That's what the Word says. The list is given to us as principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. What's not clearly written here but fully supported in Scripture is that those enemies are subject to the authority of Almighty God. They can't do anything to you except that God allows them to. And that might upset some of us whenever he allows them to do some things that we're not comfortable with, especially whenever they keep coming at you, keep trying to beat you down, treat, keep trying to stop you from doing what God would have you to do. We could get where we focus our attention on that instead of on God. This is why he gives us the list of all the pieces of the armor. And as we go through this series of messages, we're probably going to have five or maybe six messages. This is sort of an outline, and we're going to break out some of those things throughout the next few weeks. And I really hope that you all will be able to be here for this, because I truly, truly believe it's important for all of us. 
we stand against those wicked powers in Christ's authority. Remember that the one we call Jesus, Yahashua, his Hebrew name, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. All. He didn't say some. He didn't say most. He didn't say much of. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And you know, this was foretold by the angel who announced that Mary was pregnant. He said, the child in her will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. The throne of David is the instrument of authority, God's authority. He says this is kingdom authority. He was going to receive kingdom authority. David's kingdom was transferred to Christ, his descendant. And that was all foretold. You can look at that in Luke chapter 1 and verse 32. Christ our King has received all authority. As I said, not some, not most, not much. He delegated his authority to his followers. Listen to what's written in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19. Behold, this is Christ speaking, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. And he's not talking about the bugs and snakes. And over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. How much power of the enemy? All the power of the enemy. He gave his disciples the authority to trample on all the power of the enemy. Now, we who serve him are empowered in and by his authority to overcome the spiritual enemies forever. And we see that as we read the book of Revelation. Does that mean that individually something may not happen to me? Because I can tell you for sure, folks, that does not, that's not what it means. What it means is when we stand in Christ, girded in those things that he gives us to protect us from the spiritual forces of enemy forces, the, the spiritual uh, enemies, if we stand in Christ, even if they take this mortal life, we are victorious. We can overcome all spiritual enemies forever. After learning who the enemy is, we find that the main idea of this passage is described in sufficient detail for us to comprehend what he's saying. It's not a partial list. It's the complete list of the armor of God. Anything else is not of God, and it will not survive the test of truth. If somebody tells you, well, yeah, that's great, but, and they give you something else, they say, well, this would help me. Um, God's Word says what it is, and it's the whole armor. It doesn't just say the partial armor, or here's some of the armor, or here's most of the armor. It says this is the whole armor of God. Anything else is not of God. Now, we find truth in the first place, and that's the first piece of the armor of God, truth. Truth. How is truth an armor? How, how's that part of our armor? How is that part of our armor? And, and it's written that we are instructed to have our loins girt about with truth. Girt about. Think of a girdle, okay? I remember when I was growing up, my mother used to wear girdles. I don't know if anybody wears them anymore, and I'm not going to ask. 
but it was something my mother used to wear. So I know what a girdle is, and I know what it did, and I know what it was used for. It was to contain the lower region of the body. It was to contain, it was wrapped around the procreative portion of the body. Think of it that way. That's what he's talking about. The loins mean the hips, but also that procreative power that we have. We are created in the image of God, and each and every one of us are able. When God allows us to create more human beings, we do it in the way that he designed us to do it. One man, one woman, and I'm not going to get into that, but that's the way he did it. We're to be tightly wrapped in truth. Tightly wrapped. In other words, we have the truth. We maintain the truth. We do not bear falsehood. We bring the truth to bear upon everyone's lives within our ability. Those that God gives us to share it with. Truth wrapped around the portion of our being that procreates produces no deceit. It produces nothing deceitful that issues forth from us. Believers are also instructed to sink into the breastplate of righteousness. Righteousness. It's the righteousness of Christ. It's not my own righteousness. My righteousness is as a filthy rag, according to what God's Word says. This piece of our battle attire figuratively covers our chest area. It's a a vision or an image of our heart protection. Our heart is stayed upon the Lord. We have hymns that we sing about that. And then we look at it and we say, well, God protects our heart because it's the righteousness of Christ that's displayed in our character. Our heart is filled with the righteousness of Christ. And what issues forth from us is truth and righteousness. Believers are also instructed to have the preparation of the gospel placed on our feet. That's the next piece of armor. Our feet shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace. We are to always be ready to go out and share the good news. Draw others into the likeness of Christ. We're instructed to be prepared to deliver the good news of spiritual peace and spiritual prosperity. And so many have taken that idea of prosperity and they've turned it into material wealth. Well, you're going to be prosperous. Just sow a seed in my kingdom. And that's, a, that's an abomination before God. That is not what he, his word teaches. Oh, God does say, you give, you can't outgive him. He says, you go ahead, test me. See what you can give and see if I won't outdo you and giving it back to you. God's word's clear about that. But they take that and they twist it. It's spiritual peace. It's spiritual prosperity. We are to have an inner peace. You know, this morning, I woke up about 2.30, 3 o'clock, somewhere around there. And I was overwhelmed with an anxiety that was not from me. I have no reason to be anxious. And that anxiety kept me awake. And I prayed through it. God, I'm preaching against this. What, uh, it, what's happening? It's a spiritual attack in the middle of the night. Woke me up. And I had this anxiety. And I said, God, it's, this isn't of you. It's obvious to me. And my instruction was a very simple one. Pray without ceasing. Pray. Have communion with God. Speak to God about it. Tell Him what's going on. And then all of those little things that are happening, 
said, okay, Lord, I need help with this. I need help with that. I need help with this. I need help with that. I started laying those things out. But I realized that we are to be prepared to share that good news, the gospel, the atoning sacrifice of Christ. And he prepares us to do that. It's like we have gospel shoes on our feet so that wherever we step, the gospel is with us and we can share it with others. As a a former evangelist on the streets, I know what that means and I know what it looks like and I know how people reject the gospel. And still we are to share it in love. I encourage this young man as he goes out into the world, he literally faces people and shares the gospel. The atoning sacrifice of Christ prepares us like shoes to share the gospel. His message is delivered as per our king's instructions. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. It's written in several places. I'm quoting simply from Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. And the next piece of armor is emphasized with the words above all. Above all. Above all. This is an important distinction. Above all. Yes, all of these other parts are important. But above all. These other parts hinge upon this one that we're about to look at. Above all. It's faith. And faith acts as a large door-shaped shield. When they would go into battle, they would literally have this huge shield that they would carry and advance. As they were advancing into the battle, they're holding this shield, and what the enemy was throwing at them, whether it was tar-laced arrows that were on fire or it was just plain arrows, they were able to stand behind that shield and keep from getting nailed with those fiery darts, with fiery arrows. And so the image here is that we are behind that door of faith. And faith going before us protects us. This is our king's instructions. And it's an important distinction. It's faith. Faith guards believers from the burning desires and temptations and evil that's thrown at us like spears and missiles by the enemy. After faith, we find the helmet of salvation. See, it's all interconnected. We have that faith. Above all, our faith goes before us. Above all, we want to be protected. But we also have to have our helmet of salvation. Speaking of the salvation that we receive by Christ through faith. It also speaks of Christ who is our defender and our defense. He's our defense attorney, if you will. I paid the price for them as he stands before the Father and advocates for us. I paid their price. It's Christ who defends us from thinking in ways that are outside of God's will, including defeated thinking. Christ saves us. He rescues us from the bondage to sin. He frees us to live in obedience to the will of the Father, our Creator. And no matter what the world or the enemy throws at us, We are eternally victorious in Christ. 
forever, forever in Christ. And so that's another thing. We're not going to look at that today, but we have to remember it's in Christ that we are protected. Outside of Christ, we're in grave danger. No matter how the world treats us, no matter how the enemy treats us or mistreats us, we have everlasting victory in Jesus. Amen? I wanted to do that song this morning. Oh, victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and bought me with his redeeming blood. Amen. He loved me ere I knew him, and all my love was due him. He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing flood. There is our victory in Christ. No matter what the world does, no matter what the enemy does, we have victory. And with that helmet of salvation, we also find the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is both offensive and defensive, the Word of God. We use it to push forward the kingdom of God. This is what the Word says, and I've been challenged. That's just a book of fables, people tell me. And well, you may believe that, but I'll tell you, there are no unbelievers in hell. Well, they might go there not believing. They believe after they get there. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the only piece of our armor that's used for offense and defense, and it gives us that discernment of the thoughts and intents of the heart. God's Word is the discerner of the heart. He knows whether our heart is right, and it's important for us to stand before Him with pure hearts. He, take, he, he took out of us that, that heart of flesh, and he, or excuse me, the heart of stone, and he put in a heart of flesh sharper than a two-edged sword. The Word of God is all about Christ. He said so. You search the Scriptures, and in them you find eternal life, and these are they which speak of me, he said. Now, Christ is illustrated as a stumbling block and an offense to both houses of Israel in Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 14. A stumbling block. Wait a minute, I thought he brought salvation for all. Of course he did. He's leading them out of all of the error that they were in, and they refuse. And that's how he becomes the stumbling block. Well, the same is true today with people. He becomes a stumbling block and an offense. You preach the gospel, and some people are offended, highly offended. Paul reminds believers that the cross offends. When you look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 11, and even though the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, that's what's written in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, the first part of that, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But still, we share in obedience to Almighty God and Christ our King. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. But that message is an offense. Well, why would we want to go out and offend people? He said to. Paul reminds that we are to do it. But to us who are saved, we're being saved, the Scripture says, it is the power of God. Where's the power of God? It's in the gospel. 
The message of the cross is the power of God. Now, after looking at the sword of the Spirit, we will find instructions to pray. Prayer is not given as a body armor. It's not given. There's no label. It doesn't say this part or that part. It just says to pray. Instead, it's instructed as a spiritual tool that encompasses the whole armor of God. It is a spiritual tool. It's the other bookend. If you think about it in the terms of bookends, it's the other bookend to the power of God. Think of a sandwich that has two slices of marbled bread. And Chris and I recently bought some marbled bread, marbled rye, really good bread. But there's two different things that are weaving together there. And when you think about the, the slices of bread in this sandwich that we're putting together, spiritually speaking, we see that one of those slices of bread is strength in the Lord and in the power of his might. Strengthen the Lord and the power of his might together. And the other is prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And there are those who use that for various doctrinal teachings, and I'm not going to go into that right now. But between those two slices of bread, we find the meat, so to speak. It's the truth. The truth is found between praying and God's power. Praying as He leads. Prayer is an act of worship, and it must always be in spirit and in truth. And we oppose the various ranks of evil forces with prayer. Prayer keeps us from coming undone in raging battle. Prayer reveals who we love, and it keeps us standing. Prayer enables us to remain standing in the righteousness of Christ and covered in spiritual armor. Prayer keeps us able to share our faith even under adverse circumstances. Prayer strengthens our faith with which we are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Prayer keeps us in victorious submission to the will of Almighty God and Christ our King, the King of Kings. Prayer firms up the helmet of salvation by purging our mind of thoughts that are contrary to the will of God. How many of you have to fight thoughts? I'm not going to ask for a show. I, I, yeah, me too. And that's the enemy. As he tries to lead you to keep your attention on, on him instead of on God. Prayer. Strengthens our resolve to use the Word of God by reading it and studying it. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit is an instruction to be constantly in communion with Almighty God. Pray without ceasing. You're having a conversation with God. You're having a conversation with Christ who is within you continuously. And when you get to that place of prayer, it happens day and night. It's our instruction to be in constant communion with Almighty God. And this type of praying is internal dialogue with the Creator. And it's through His Spirit. This type of prayer keeps believers watchful. It keeps us permanently engaged in petitioning the Father. We're persistent in that. Petitioning the Father. When something airs, praise the Lord, as hard as that is, folks. 
Shout a praise to God. And then reach out to him in prayer. God, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Keeps us watchful. Persistently engaged in in petitioning the Father. And we are to pray for those who are called saints. All of the believers. Those who are purified by the sacrifice of Christ. By God's will. Because we're obedient to his will. As I wrap this up, I want you to remember that the whole armor of God is given for you. It's for the benefit of every believer. It's not just for me. It's not just for somebody across the aisle from you. It's not for somebody in front or behind you. It is for you. Each and every aspect of the armor of God is in place by Christ for you to benefit from. Because you, whether anybody told you or not, whenever you came to Christ, you were engaged or enlisted, I should say, into his army as a warrior. And sadly, many have not equipped the saints to do the work of the ministry. We don't understand why things go wrong. We don't comprehend what's going on. So many preach a message of love and inclusion. Everybody's welcome. It doesn't matter what you do. God loves you just the way you are. Well, he does. But he loves you too much to leave you there. He wants you to grow and mature spiritually. He wants you to be strengthened in the power of his might. He wants to have communion with you. He wants to hear from you. He wants you to talk to him. And it doesn't have to be some high and mighty prayer. Oh, God, I know you're there somewhere. He's right there with you. If, in fact, you're his, that's what he says. Each day as we yield to Christ, we're surrendering to God's protection. Think about that. When you start your day, God, I yield to your protection. I yield to you. I can't do this without you. I was praying that today. Lord, I can't do it. As I walked over to the, the house over there, I had to get a bottle of water. I didn't have any water here. I said, God, I can't do this without you. I pray that sometimes whenever I start a message. God, I cannot do this without I need your help. We surrender every day. And we have to know that his protection is eternal. It doesn't end when we pass. When we pass, we're passing into his full protection. God's armor represents a way of life for faithful believers. And that's what I hope you get out of this whole series of messages, is that this is your way of life. It is your way of life, and you will be protected by living that way of life. The whole armor of God enables us to stand against the various spiritual forces of evil. And we are all under assault, whether we like it or not, whether we believe it or not. If we are, in fact, followers of Christ, we are in the battle. The whole armor of God brings about victorious spiritual warfare. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I pray that each of us would become better equipped to live in the victory of Christ. I pray, Father, that you would use us, that you would enable us, that you would empower us, that you would keep us in your power, that you would enable us, Lord, to be engaged in petitioning you. Remind us you are always there. Help us, Father. Help us. 
We need your help. I pray, Father, for each one within the sound of my voice that you would help us remember that the whole armor of God, that armor which you have given for the benefit of every believer is right there for us each day, every moment of every day. Help us to stand against the various spiritual forces of evil. Help us, Lord, to withstand the wiles of the devil. Lord, help us to know that we have victorious spiritual warfare only through Christ. And I pray this in his mighty and majestic name and all of God's people said, amen. Now, you're going to want to be here next week because we're going to be doing part two in this series by looking at how believers are strengthened in the power of his might. Be here.